And we are back. It is Season 3, Episode 1 of the podcast with Athletic Director of Your Rice House, Dr. Joe Carlgard. I am voice of Your Rice House, J.P. Heath. Ready to get going for year eight behind the mic uh, full time. And sort of where we left off was talking about how fun these uh, podcasts have been. And uh, so I lead off with a similar note of how fun these podcasts will continue to be. We've got another great guest. We have uh, Dean of Undergraduates, uh, Bridget Gorman, joining us here on the Extravaganza today. And then we'll take your traditional Q&A salvos at uh, Joe Carlgaard, and he'll uh, answer those in his uh, smooth fashion as always, but you can always email us riceathletics at rice.edu. The first question is a random one, but I see you're wearing your College World Series shirt. I was wondering uh, what you did over the summer outside of the uh, job duties with the search committee, but how the Carl Guard family uh, spend some of their downtime since we last talked. Well, congratulations on eight years uh, with the Rice Owls, JP. Uh, happy to to see you back uh, in this role again this year. Um, And you're the first person who's ever called me smooth. Uh, I've heard slick (laughs) from time to time, but never smooth. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Um, Our summer was great, uh, largely spent in in the city of Houston. We did get to Maui uh, for about eight days, uh, end of June, first part of July. And then uh, all three of my boys uh, celebrated birthdays this summer. So uh, we spent some time, uh, you know, at the watching Toy Story 4 and unwrapping presents and all that good stuff. But it was, it's a good, restful summer. Uh, happy to be back in the saddle again for uh, what amounts to my seventh season for all these sports. And I know if we went back to last year's at this time, we'd be repeating ourselves. But just you hit the ground running. Let's uh, first start out on the pitch. And not only what um, – we, I know we talked about it in last season's podcast with the hiring of Brian Lee, but just the uh, positivity after the first two games and just the road win, uh, getting on the home pitch, it just it had to have been uh, very pleasurable at, at the time recording this, Al's 2-0. Yeah, we've, uh, we've, we've gotten off to a terrific start, um, you know, as, as we have in, in seasons past. I mean, we, we have a really good program. Um, but I think the, the fan attendance at our home match against the University of Houston – uh, was really uh, felt and welcomed by our student athletes, uh, led to a 3 nothing win. Um, I think Coach Lee has done a fantastic job in assembling a staff and, um, you know, taking uh, uh, his, uh, you know, putting his own touch on the program. Uh, he's very, uh, very analytical, uh, very scientific in his approach. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, over time it's going to lead to really great outcomes for our program. So, Soccer is indeed off to a terrific uh, start under his uh, leadership. And on the gridiron, been very impressed. Again, at the time of us recording, uh, about to head out to Army here in a few days. But uh, just the youthful excitement, specifically on defense, that I've seen in the preseason workouts and talking to a lot of coaches. But uh, not only just the Army game coming up, but but your excitement going into year two uh, with Coach Bloomgrass. as he's called year one, because last year was year zero, but his second season what, what, what do you expect from Coach and the, and the guys? And uh, what are your kind of armchair quarterback, so to speak, uh, thoughts on the season starting? I think the, the improvement uh, this year will be visible. Uh, we're a much deeper team uh, than we've been recently with 40 new guys on the roster. Um, I feel like it, as you go position by position, um, we just we have better depth. Uh, you know, among backups, starters, uh, everybody, it just feels like a – like a, a, a team that's better positioned to weather the bumps and bruises of a season. Um, 
You know, I, I think our, obviously our non-conference schedule is difficult. Uh, when you look at our overall schedule, I think of our 12 opponents, 10 of them uh, were bowl eligible last year. So we've got our work cut out for us. But um, I really like the the, uh, the the ground that we've made up uh, over the course of this last year with most of our guys having been in the system for a year uh, and under Hans Straub for uh, over a year, I think will really lead to some some good outcomes. Some of them may be subjective in nature, but I think when our fans watch the Owls take the field this year, they'll they'll note a lot of improvement. Let's go on the court. Uh, Death and Taxes, Coach Volpe, has another team with high expectations after that NCAA uh, tournament team last season. Uh, and again, no surprise, a tough non-conference schedule, but uh, what do you what do you expect from her? I know there's a lot of optimism with her and her young women. Yeah, there's tremendous optimism. I think um, you know it's. I mentioned this in past podcasts. I just I get the sense being around this team, the culture is just very good. I think this is a group of young women who really enjoy each other's company and. You know, culture uh, is always a, a great indicator of success. True, we do have a tough non-conference schedule, but, um, you know, there's a, some excitement to that, too. We host Texas and TCU at home. Uh, you know, we just talked about soccer and football. We've got some great home matchups there. Soccer's got Alabama coming to town. Football uh, hosts Texas, Wake Forest, Baylor. Um, so, you know, this is for, for those of uh, our fans who were around during the days of the Southwest Conference, you know, this is some pretty good uh, non-conference scheduling, uh, you know, for us and, and ambitious for sure. But with the volleyball program coming off an NCAA tournament berth and a, and a conference championship uh, and having everybody return nearly, uh, we're very excited about uh, the trajectory of that program. And also, um, really excited about men's women's cross country in the preseason polls. Uh, women picked to finish second, men picked to finish fourth. Wanted to flip to the uh, fundraising side of things and uh, many victories in fiscal year 19 and some, uh, obviously, you'd probably agree, some bold goals for FY20. And just how are you thinking there right now as, as things continue to progress in an upward trend? I think having a strategic plan in place, one that we launched in the spring, should lead to some pretty good fundraising outcomes and objectives uh, for this fiscal year. Uh, last year, we did just under $19 million in, in cash to athletics. That's gift and, and pledge payments. Uh, that's our highest total ever, so we're pretty excited about that. The Owl Club uh, came in just shy of $2 million. Um, uh, with over 1,200 donors, uh, which are among our highest totals in history, we doubled our letter-winning, our, our letter-winner giving rate, and uh, you know our goals for fiscal 20 and beyond are even more ambitious. So, uh, our Owl Club's got a new website. I encourage our listeners to uh, to go there, riceowlclub.com, and you can track our progress towards our fiscal year 20 goals. But we're very optimistic uh, about where we're headed in fundraising. And on the facility side, uh, if you don't mind, an overall kind of big update and then just specifically I know some work as being done in Tudor as far as the sound and the acoustics and whatnot. Sure uh, the the you know Tudor Fieldhouse is now about 10 years old uh, so there are some upgrades that we're looking at for uh, for the facility uh, to better position uh, not just our teams but all the uh, users of the facility for the future and I think that the biggest upgrade that that we're ready to announce is a new sound system which uh, for those of you who've been to volleyball and basketball games there, or you've been to um, a campus event, you'll know that the sound system is uh, less than ideal, but I think this will be one that will really benefit all of our fans, so we're excited about it. 
And then, you know, I think on the horizon, our facilities um, plan uh, as part of our capital campaign will obviously include some upgrades to the football stadium and, and uh, some upgrades to the rest of our facilities that, uh, that we're excited about but not quite ready to talk uh, in full detail about. And uh, one final thing to get to, um, vision for victory, I know is always progressing, but um, there's been some great early progress, but um, I'm biased with what the other JP has done uh, with the SOAR program and just hearing little tidbits like that, but just what are some uh, early wins and what are some of the things that you all are really impressed with that? Well, we're focused on the student-athlete experience. Um, a lot of colleges and universities across the country are. Uh, we think we're better positioned to really provide a comprehensive, comprehensively excellent student-athlete experience. If you think about it, not just from the athletic side, but the academic side, uh, the, the, the personal development side. Um, I think our, our size as an institution uh, allows us to really develop relationships more deeply, um, not just within the athletic department, but with our alumni and across campus. And so JP uh, Abercrombie's really been central to this in, in uh, relaunching our student athlete development program. She's done some amazing things and will continue to do great things as we build that out. Um, we're also looking at ways to better train our athletes. We feel as though uh, with our, uh, our academic profile and our proximity to the Texas Medical Center, we ought to be um, at the forefront of technology and science-based training techniques. So we've, uh, we've done things like bring in force plates, which create unique movement signatures for all our student athletes and help us identify deficiencies and also help us create baselines in case they do get injured so that we know as they're rehabbing uh, where they are vis-a-vis uh, -vis their baseline. We're also doing functional movement screens, which, um, you know, along with the force plates, help our strength and conditioning coaches and our, and our head coaches and assistants uh, figure out how our kids move. Um, and, you know, being flexible and bendable um, often leads not just to, to better immediate outcomes on the field, but uh, also leads to longevity. Uh, I know that in my own life. Um, you know, as I get older, I, I tend to get a little bit less flexible. And, um, you know, so we're, we're working hard on that to try and make sure that our kids have the best uh, from a science and technology standpoint so that they can reach their full potential as student athletes. Stay tuned. A lot more still coming up on the podcast. Uh, Joe Chats with uh, Dean of Undergraduate Students, Bridget Gorman, coming up next. Stay tuned on the podcast. Welcome back to the first podcast of the academic year, and it's my great pleasure to be with uh, a fairly new Dean of Undergraduates, uh, Bridget Gorman. Uh, Bridget's been with us for a little over a year in this capacity, and uh, some of our, our fans and listeners may not know much about you, so I thought the first question would just be to have you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey uh, into this new role at Rice. All right, well, thanks so much for having me here today. This is fun. I like it. Um, my journey into being Dean of Undergrads, I would say, was unplanned, and an excellent example when I talked to our students that College is full of surprises, and you don't ultimately know what the road ahead might lead to. Um, but I started at Rice in 2002 as a scrubby, brand new assistant professor. It was my first academic appointment, and had no idea that I would fall completely into undergraduate student life. Um, 
first as a resident associate at Jones College, and then after I finished that, I met and married my husband. And one of the reasons I fell in love with him was when I brought up this whole thing, and he was like, what's a college magister? Can we do that? And I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you're wonderful. And so we came and we did seven years as magisters at Will Rice College. And um, as that experience was not winding down, but we were starting to kind of look beyond it, um, we found out that my um, uh, predecessor, John Hutchinson, was going to be ending his term as dean and you know threw my hat in the ring and and I and I got the gig and it uh, the first year was amazing um, you know each level you know as a professor in the classroom an RA and magister and now dean has just increasingly embedded me in student life and given me um, the ability to interact with students in so many ways um, that are are different than what I thought of when I showed up here thinking I was just going to be teaching sociology classes so it's been wonderful so now 14 months into uh, this official capacity, is there a favorite moment or two on your brief time as Dean of Undergraduates? Um, you know, on move-in day, I was driving by Baker College and when this is the first day of O week when all the new students show up and the students all saw me and they started ch chanting, that's my Dean, that's my Dean. I was like, oh, <laughs> so that was, that was fun. Um, you know, the moments I like the most are the moments I catch with students and I get to talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. And sometimes it's because they're coming to see me, they're, you know, in charge of a club, they're a college president, they're essay president, those types of things. But I actually like the unexpected, so I show up at a sporting event and I run in just a random group of students there to watch a tennis game. Or um, after the faculty address during orientation week and we're all filing out a tutor, I just slid in right next to a group of students and I'm just like, hi, I'm, I, you know, I'm Bridget and their eyes go wide and oh my gosh, I'm chatting with the dean and you know, it's, it's really those little moments that I like the most. So. We've seen you at, at many athletics contests. I've been here six years and I've seen you around at, at, uh, at several games and matches. Not to put you on the spot, but is there a favorite uh, 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 Rice Athletics memory that you have? There is. So one thing most people don't know about me is I'm a diehard tennis fan. Tennis and baseball. Like my husband and I live and die. I mean, Astros, we watch every single game on TV. We're there. We love coming out and watching our guys play here, obviously. Um, but in 2016, we went over to watch the men's tennis champion in the CUSA against Old Dominion, I think. And man, that was such a great game to watch. Um, I just remember sitting in the stands, I'm completely surrounded by Rice students and Will Rice students. At the time, we were the magisters at the college and two, of our, and two of our guys were playing. And so on the one hand, we were rooting on the team, but on the other, we were rooting on our guys. And then we won it at the end and the whole stadium exploded and they rushed onto the court. And that was just, that was a really, really fun memory for me. And um, just, just the excitement of it. And, but also to be there just sitting next to my students watching it, that was actually really special. I also remember last spring uh, being up in College Station, yep. um, you know, and it was, it was the row of, of President Lebron and Ping, <laughs> you, your family, and me and my family, and I think we got a, a special shout out from the student section, which was pretty cool as well. Um, what role do you see athletics playing in the broader Rice community, and, and why is athletics important to you personally? You know, for me, I think it's just this thing that brings us all together is Rice. You know, I think it's very simple at times to think, oh, well, I'm a student at Baker College or I'm a faculty member in the sociology department, but we're all rice. 
And I think there's not that many moments we can come together collectively from all different parts of campus, students, staff, and faculty, and be in an event together and kind of hold that collective identity. And that's what I always really enjoy is, you know, you know, go owls and the cheering and wearing the blue and the white and the gray and kind of being there for that. So um, I think that's what I like a lot about it. And um, it's, it always gives me a real pump up when I go to those events and helps re-solidify that I'm an owl and that we're all owls no matter what our particular designation at the school is. Yeah, I've always believed it's particularly important at an institution that has a residential college system where people uh, tend to identify with their residential college first and the opportunities that we get to celebrate the big R, so to speak, right. uh, often uh, happen in athletics. Uh, we recently released a strategic plan, Vision for Victory, uh, and we've got several goals, but one of which is to foster student-athlete participation in all that Rice has to offer. So what advice would you have for our student-athletes on how they can effectively participate in campus life and forge those strong connections with campus? I just think the most important thing is to try to engage as broadly with the campus as you can. And as student athletes, I think the easiest way to think about that coming in is talk to your professors, right? You know, to go to their office hours, go up after class, say, hi, I'm so-and-so, you know, this is why I'm taking your class. Um, it's those little moments of interaction that can totally change what you do for a career, can totally change your experience in a classroom, because now that professor is going to know who you are. Right, and they're gonna bring you more into the fold of the classroom that way than this face up there, and they're not quite sure who is that on my roster, right? So facing, you know, faces to names are, are a really important part of that. Um, we can have other examples too, like, uh, you know, everyone's assigned to a residential college when you come in, like go to lunch and sit down at a table with someone you don't know. And that can be challenging. You know, Mike and I, that's my husband, uh, when we were magisters, we would always joke that the first year, if you sit down at a table with freshmen, it can be a little bit of an awkward conversation <laughs> <laughs> until they relax and get to know you. But when they're sophomores, you know, there's that familiarity and it gets easier, right? So I think sometimes when we first go into those environments, everybody can feel like the kid on the first day of school and who's going to sit with me at lunchtime. But, you know, if you just keep going and then people know who you are, you can, it can be amazing what can happen in those spaces. And so, I, I guess maybe the commonality between that advice and you know the professors is is just talk to people and engage with the people that you run into. I actually read this study the other day that was talking about if you talk to a stranger once every day, it's it's has a strong association with happiness, huh. right? And that we get a boost when we engage in these random conversations and not just talk to the people that we know. And so I don't know, it opens up the unpredictable and I guess maybe that's a theme a little bit of what I've been saying here today, but I don't I don't think college should be this thing where you come in and this is exactly what I'm going to do and this is the path I'm going to walk down because so many of us, that's not what happened to us. And I'm, sure. I'm forever grateful that the unexpected swooped me into a career that has just been deeply satisfying and it's what I want for every single one of my students. So the more that they embrace everyone who's here and the ways in which they can, in ways predictable and unpredictable, help them down that path, I think the more they're going to get out of this experience. That's Bridget Gorman, our second year Dean of Undergraduates. Bridget, we're very happy to have you on the podcast to start the academic year, and, and our partnership uh, has just been fantastic in, in your brief time in this role, and I look forward to seeing it uh, continue to grow. Me too. Thank you so much for having me here today.
Back on the podcast, wonderful hearing and uh, just meeting for the first time, uh, Dean Gorman. And just one thing that I did not know about her is just her um, fandom uh, of the Owls. I, obviously, everybody on campus, but she is a very devoted uh, follower of the Blue and Gray. Here is uh, one of our favorite times of the podcast where we uh, have our fan Q&A questions. Rice Athletics at rice.edu. How does Rice leverage and maximize the incredible opportunity to be playing on the NFL Network uh, later this season of football? Well, I think that the, the most important thing about the NFL Network is its distribution, its linear distribution. It's, it's among the uh, most distributed uh, cable sports networks out there, uh, I think perhaps just behind ESPN. Um, so we'll be on in a lot of homes, and I think that's important. Um, also, we're the, you know, currently Conference USA is the only conference to be featured on the NFL Network. So certainly for those who, who, uh, who browse the network from time to time, uh, we're hoping that we create uh, some, some good sidewalk traffic uh, to watch us play North Texas uh, on the network this year. You know, the most obvious answer to this question is that we win throughout the season and that North Texas wins throughout the season so that when the game comes, because it is in November, that we're both in a position to either compete for conference championship or to, to go to bowl games, and that hopefully will generate um, interest. I think in the long term, uh, we're continuing to think about how we partner with the NFL and the NFL Network to do uh, perhaps some features uh, on, our, on our schools and on our teams. Um, there's some good relationships between the conference office and the NFL that I think could play out on uh, some very positive ways for us in the future too. But, you know, I, I hope we're both in a position where uh, it's a good competitive game that generates uh, some good national interest. Question two, some of the best athletic contests and best attended at Rice have been with the service academy teams. Do you have plans to continue that tradition beyond this current schedule? Uh, the easiest way for us to schedule the service academies um, historically has been in football. Uh, until recently, Navy was independent in football. Army still is independent. So, you know, they're looking, uh, have been looking to fill out 12-game uh, schedules. And they like to play, as we do, uh, like-minded academic institutions. Since Navy joined the American, it's been more difficult to schedule them uh, out of conference because they're in the west half of the American Conference, so they get a trip to Texas every year, either playing SMU or Houston. So they don't have that burning desire to get to Texas like they used to. Um, we have our series uh, at Army extended uh, into the near future. I don't recall off the top of my head exactly how long, but we will be playing uh, those games. And then, you know, Air Force obviously is in the Mountain West, and so they don't have as many opportunities in their scheduling uh, in football as, as Army does. The other thing is that in, in the other sports, uh, these, these schools are all in leagues. So, you know, Navy and Army are in the Patriot League, and, and Air Force is obviously in the Mountain West. So it's a, it's a little less. There's, there's fewer opportunities in the other sports. I do agree that they're among our best contests, um, seem to generate a lot of interest. And so we continue to have conversations uh, with them. Most of our sports are scheduled on a year-by-year -year basis, ex with the exception of football, where you have to get a little bit ahead of it. Um, and in football, as I, as I mentioned, uh, we do have Army in the, in the next at least two or three years on the schedule. Yeah, it almost seems like a conference game the number of times that we've played them here the last few years. Question three on the fan q and I'm glad to see we're playing a home football game against Texas this year. Can you talk about why we're playing it at NRG versus Rice Stadium? 
You know, this is a, a popular question that I get in various circles, and I think um, you know the answer to it is that it's it's difficult for us to schedule, um, uh, you know, the quote unquote Power Five institutions to home and home contests in Rice Stadium. Um, even the games that we're playing this year were contracted several years ago. Um, it's easier for us to, to schedule games against teams that, that maybe don't have as large a fan base as UT or A&M or LSU do. And so when they play us, they're really interested in playing us in a larger stadium uh, where they can sell more of their tickets. And NRG provides us with that. Financially, it's, it's a more lucrative situation than it would be in Rice Stadium. Um, but I, I feel like we're one of the outliers in uh, the group of five, among the group of five schools that can actually get these games as home games for us. And it is a home game for us. We're ticketing the game. We own the television rights for us. Um, you know, we're just playing it six miles down the road as opposed to uh, on our campus. So, you know, we'll continue to try and schedule uh, more games on our campus against top tier ins uh, institutions and opponents. Um, but in this particular case, and in the case against LSU next year, it really was, was the only option to get the series scheduled if we wanted them to come to Houston. Okay, so those first three questions of the uh, football nature. Uh, question number four in the Q&A, almost a year into the Rice investment, what kind of benefits are we seeing to the athletics department? We have two types of scholarships that are offered in, uh, in NCAA Division I. One's called a headcount scholarship, and the other one's called an equivalency scholarship. And so some sports are designated headcount sports meaning that the only scholarship you give out is a full-ride scholarship. Um, so, you know, people are familiar with football, for example. Uh, there's 85 scholarships in football. Nobody's on a partial scholarship. There are only 85 kids on our team who are on scholarship, or certainly no more than 85. There may be one or two less, but no more than 85, and they're all on full scholarships. And then in equivalency sports, those are the sports like baseball and track and field where you can offer partial scholarships. And so the question always becomes in equivalency sports is if you applied for need-based financial aid, would you get more money um, via the need-based financial aid route than you would the athletic scholarship route? Because you can't mix that aid. The NCA is, has uh, set up a rule against that. So what the Rice Investment has done, particularly for middle-class families, has allowed us to, to go to those student-athletes and say, hey, why don't you apply for aid? There's a good chance that your package from financial aid, your need-based package will be more than uh, the athletic aid that we'd be able to offer you. And so we've seen cases over the course of the last year where kids have opted for need-based financial aid and turned down the athletic aid, and it's been more lucrative for them. They come to Rice at a lower cost of attendance, which is good. In headcount sports, what we've seen is it's really enhanced our walk-on program. So Coach Bloomgren brought in 40 new kids this year. Only 25 can be on, on scholarship per NCA rule, so we've got 15 new football players who are not on scholarship. Well, the Rice investment, because the need-based financial aid packages are greater than they used to be, has really attracted a whole new crop of really excellent students uh, to our walk-on program. So we're really happy about it and see that it's benefited not just our headcount sports but our equivalency sports and probably had a greater impact than even I imagined when the announcement was made last year. At Rice, baseball always on the mind. So question five to wrap it up deals with Coach Braga's owls. But uh, the, they ask, with the graduation of many key baseball players last year, uh, particularly pitchers, how does Coach Braga plan to reload? That's one part. And then uh, they noticed the recently announced recruiting class, a number of transfers. Will that be a key part of our future approach? 
Um, so we have brought in uh, several new pitchers. I, I know that Coach Braga um, also thinks that you know there's some um, there's some young people on our staff who will develop into um, into great contributors on the pitching side of things. Um, you know, I, I, I think about um, about a couple of pitchers that he's brought in. Um, you know, and I, I don't want to speak for him, but you know, it looks like one may turn into a, a closer for us. At least one uh, he sort of thinks will be a weekend starter for us. So I, I feel like um, like the recruiting class um, will uh, will address the pitching issue now. Top end pitching, uh, you know, it's very difficult to replace Matt Canarino and Evan Kravitz, uh, and you know, and Jackson Parthasarthi. But um, I feel like we may have a deeper staff, um, even if our our top end pitching isn't quite at that level this year. Um, as far as the transfers go, you know, transfers have been part of our program going back into to Coach Graham arriving at Rice from from San Jack a number of years ago, and. And um, you know we've had uh, really good JC transfers, and we've had some uh, good straight up four to four transfers uh, come into our program as well. Um, I, I don't know that it's ever going to be an approach that's the primary approach in any of our sports at, at Rice, but I think given some of the acute needs that we had in the program this year, it was the approach we opted to take. Um, I still know that in speaking to Kobe, you know, let's try and recruit the high school ranks and develop kids as they get into the program, and so I think that'll be. Um, as, as we saw in football where we had some transfers too, that, that eventually that's going to be the approach that we want to take. But while we're trying to fill some holes quickly and we have some really good bona fide uh, academically qualified transfer student athletes, we're always going to look at that as a viable market for us. Smooth as always, Joe. <laughs> so we will Thanks, call back to the beginning part of the podcast so you get that. Um, thanks so much. Uh, excited for year three. And uh, we'll be talking to you here sometime soon, all right? Absolutely, and uh, really happy to be back on the podcast. And uh, again, really excited about the, the beginning of the academic year. Appreciate everybody behind the scenes helping out. Chuck and Tanner for helping us out. And of course, to Dr. Joe Carlgard. I'm J.P. Heath, voice of your rice owls. Want to see you out at a game, or we'll talk to you on a broadcast. Uh, have a great rest of your day. Go owls.